Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly coming to you from Robert Morris University. I'm your host Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano and appreciate all of you tuning in again. We have another great show, another great guest, Steve. We do, Claudio. And in fact, I want to remind our listeners that um, we're on all the major streaming services and something you and I were talking about is as people are starting to discover us, they've kind of missed some of the earlier ones. And a couple that I want to remind folks that are out there that I think are some really good interviews. Again, Claudia and I do something I think very different in what we interview people about. And a good one was Mario Andretti, but that was a good one. Mario Andretti, and we, I don't think we asked them one question about the Indy 500. That's right. And, uh, and really in the Pittsburgh radio market, or even the podcast, I think he just appeared on my other show and this show. And then Vince Ferragamo, the Another L.A. One. Rams uh, quarterback. I don't think we talked about Steelers-Rams. We talked nope. about his winery, his real estate business. Uh, because everybody knows about that's all exactly that exactly right. I can go out and Google and read their stories yeah. and, and see that on Wiki or whatever, but I want to know the person. And, and what they did after their respective careers, which they both have done very well, obviously. That's right. We've had some other good guests on there, um, some authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John Cameron was on. From uh, the Rocky Marciano right, another biographer. Good one. Dave um, Finoli, uh, Pittsburgh uh, author. Pete Ferraro was on. And uh, we're going to have another, um, uh, Vince Papali, the uh, I'm looking forward the, to that one, actually. Yeah, That's Vince is a good guy. He'll be on. And, um, and we're probably not going to talk about the movie and all that crap. Because again, a little bit. You can't not, but that won't yeah. be the fo- to your point. Yeah. That's not the focus. These guys, that is a point in their life. Yeah. They, they did it. They, it was the result of other points in their life. Now they get a movie. Now they're going to be successful for something else. And what are they going to do with it? Well, I, I know me personally. I mean, I've known all three of them for, I guess, quite a few years now. But I, I knew about their careers, again, their sporting careers. But I wanted to know what happened after, how, how they were able to do well in life. And, and uh, to me, they were always inspirations. And there's, so. a lot of, and there's a lot of folks that are, that are famous, whether it was a musician, an actor, or an athlete, and you're kind of like, I wonder what happened to so-and-so. Maybe you're watching an old movie, so I wonder what happened to so-and-so. Right, exactly. And, you know, the better ones have lives beyond that point in time that they got famous for. And that's kind of what we're trying to focus on, and we're introducing you to a lot of folks. Um, and Joe DeGuardia, can't forget him. Oh, boxing no. promoter. That's Joe right. Can't for, yeah. You know what? I actually enjoyed that yeah. interview. When and we're going to have many more. Paul when he came on with that hard accent, man, I was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to like this guy. <laughs> I'm going to work on some other uh, name uh, people, too. So we we'll definitely have some. Well, you, you know, it's not even about now. I just think we're, we're asking folks that are on the show questions that are just, I, I don't know, I think they're a little different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, you know, you and I listen to a lot of shows and a lot of podcasts. And, and some of the better interviews... You know, I've seen out there, you might say, well, that's a no name. But sometimes their stories are so incredible right. or just, you know, just the interview or just the way that chemistry goes. But, uh, but I think back in episode two, we had an interesting guest. I think his name was Bob. What was his last name? I know I was sick. I could barely, that's, barely that's talk. Right. Not were, sick of Bob, but I was sick. Right. Well, we had him on, that yeah. guy. And he was famous for something. I can't remember. <laughs> but go back to episode two and check it out. But we've got another guy on the show tonight. I believe he's a doctor. Not approvingly, Dr. Armand Baselli, who just happens to have the same last name as our guest from episode two, and that's because they are related. But folks, I want to introduce Dr. Armand Baselli and say hello to the folks. Hey, everybody. I'm, I, after I heard that list of names, I'm like, why am I here again? You know? <laughs> well, we were thinking the same thing, but we decided to forget all the other people and just, you know. No, actually, we got a, we got a good, uh, good fun show with you tonight. Um, a lot of good questions because, again, this goes back to the, you know, you don't have to be an A-lister in Hollywood or a Formula One race car driver to have an interesting story and have some, some cool things in your life that we want to share with folks that folks might find interesting. In fact, I tend to think that um, 
these interviews connect more with folks than, than something that people might feel is more like beyond their reach. So, uh, you know, again, appreciate you coming on. I know you're taking time out of your <laughs> That's day. a hell of an end. <laughs> well, That's nice. It feels, you, like I'm, it feels like I'm dating again. I kinda, you are. Uh, uh, people would rattle off their <laughs> list of ex-boyfriends and all their accomplishments, and I would kind of just... Well, good know. news. We don't have any for you, so that won't be, we won't have to You've do that well. <laughs> You've done well. Armin, well, please introduce the folks. Tell us where you work, what you do. Sure, yeah. My name is Armin Bazelli, and I am uh, very thankful to be here today. It's exciting to, uh, you know, be a part of this whole... Italian cultural movement you guys are creating in Pittsburgh. And uh, I am the director of campus recreation here at RMU. Um, I've been here for about 15 years now. So I oversee the rec center, which is a, a great newer facility. It opened in 2017 on campus. Um, oversee the club sport department. Uh, I know Claudio's a, a baseball coach at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. We've crossed paths in that way before. Um, I also teach in our sport management program here. And my side gig, I'm a, uh, uh, an author, and I've written a children's book, and I know we're, we're going to we are going to definitely talk about that, that today. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. And I'll probably plug the heck gonna, out of it. Don't as we worry, start. we're going we're gonna to let you plug it. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, but I want to ask you, are you uh, are you involved with the Island Sports Center at all? Then you know what I am um, to some level. I don't manage that facility, but I have teams. We have four club hockey programs that, that play down there, and I work with the island management on. We actually are building a whole new uh, locker room complex this year because, as you all probably know. Our NCAA hockey teams are back this year. Yes. We've got two NCAA teams. We've got four club teams. We've got an adult league. We've got youth league. That place is just packed to the gills. I, I used to coach over there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it was always crowded, and it's good that it's getting, you know, maintaining that hockey footprint in Pittsburgh. I think uh, one that that D1 team went away for just a hot minute, I think there were a lot of people realized, whoa, wait a minute, that's the only D1 team. I mean, I think in this area, I don't know what's, where, where the closest D1 team would be to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I guess Mercyhurst will be the next closest. Up in Erie, yeah. Up in Erie. But, yeah, yeah we, we're basically the hockey <laughs> epicenter in Pittsburgh down at the island, for sure. I, I agree with you there. Um, so, Armin, again, just for the folks, yes, if you're a regular listener, you will know that the name does sound familiar. Um, we did have your cousin Bob on. We definitely appreciated that. It was a good, fun interview. And um, so, you know, we got a little bit of his background. And before the show, I had to do the words you go to high school. And obviously, you didn't go to the, uh, you know, the same high school as he did. But uh, you're obviously from the Pittsburgh area. You know, what was like growing up, you know, Italian roots and all that good stuff, or not really as yeah. much being out in, I know where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm from Baldwin, but uh, my family, my dad's family's from uh, Bloomfield, uh, grew up on Taylor Street. And so as a kid, you know, we would often gather there and we'd walk up to, um, you know, Liberty Avenue and go to all these Italian restaurants that are no longer there, right? Um, we had this conversation. <laughs> We're going to have it again because I'm yeah. still frustrated with it. Yeah, yeah. But, because there's uh, a big sign that says, Pittsburgh's Little Italy. And when you go into Bloomfield, there's a big sign on Liberty that says Pittsburgh's Little Italy. And you go in there and you're like, where is it? Yeah. And like, I, I mean, it, it's, I, so I developed a love of like food there, really. I mean, like we would go up to Grocery Italiana and we'd get, uh, you know, fresh made pastas and we would, uh, you know, I just, I, it's funny. My wife gets annoyed with me because I'm very particular about my food, but it's because I had the best stuff <laughs> That's right. as a kid. And we go to the strip district and, you know, and Bloomfield, I remember fondly like walking up there with my grandfather and he would just start speaking Italian to these other neighbors of his and, and then they would go back and talk to us in English and it was just like it, it felt like very not far removed from the old country right at that point um, as a kid and so um, I, I kept that with me and I think that helped inspire this book that, that I wrote. And we're yeah. going to talk about that. <laughs> All right well now um, I always ask the same old question because I'm interested. Goals as a 17 year old Armand. 
Gosh, um, I'd love to tell you that I was thinking about the NBA at that point, but I was six. You got the hype. I got that. I'm six foot four, uh, and I was into. I, I had trouble thinking past being 17. I'll be honest with you. I was very stuck in like, I'm having a blast. Like I was in a very kind of suburban neighborhood in, in Baldwin, and and all I knew is that I was going to go to college. I thought I wanted to be a teacher, a school teacher. Um, I, I kind of looked up to a gym teacher actually in high school and I'm like I could see myself doing that here we are you know 20 some years later and I'm kind of like a glorified gym teacher right like I'm running a rec center mm-hmm. I teach fitness classes I teach pickleball you know but I'm doing a lot of different things and I think um I this I always ask myself this and I it was advice I got from somebody once every 10 years check back on what that version of you would have thought of yourself mm-hmm. now so like what would the 10 year old Armin think of what I'm doing right now what would the 20 year old what would the 30 year old I think each of those ages, I'd be pretty happy with it, right? Like because I, I ended up marrying my um, my high school prom date. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you know what? Most of the statistics, there's no official stati- statistics, but whoever you go to the prom with, you usually don't speak to them again. Exactly. So that's very nice. Yeah. Married my that's high school good. prom date. We, although we didn't date for like ten years after that, but we we got back together and that's we uh, we got married and and. Um, and I got a nice, beautiful family, two young kids, yeah. and, and, and I think that version of me would be happy with where I'm at. You know what's crazy? Because I have questions two and questions five. Two was role models, and five is best advice that you were ever given. But what other role models did you have growing up? Not some that you knew, mm-hmm. family members, or maybe some that you just read about? Yeah, that's a good question. Or so, watched. So definitely my parents you know my grandparents uncles I, ha- I have a lot of successful folks but bobby if he listens to this you know he, i'm sure he's, he's here glued, <laughs> glued to the radio he, he's somebody that's been successful i've had a lot of people that i've been lucky enough to just borrow pieces of you know like hey um you know i i remember talking to one of my uncles about how like monday mornings you get the or sunday nights you get the sunday scaries right like how do you overcome that as professional and he gave me a clue that was just like, hey, you know what? A lot of people say, like, don't think about work. Think about it. Plan out your Monday so that when you go in on Monday, you're a little less nervous, right? Like, so that was a nice little piece of advice from him. Um, as far as, like, celebrities and motivational folks, I, I, I think I think family, honestly. I know it sounds, like, kind of cliched, but I, I don't – there's not, think, like, one celebrity. I think truth is most people probably would say family more than they would say some celebrity that they don't know. Yeah, like Tony Robbins didn't do it for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Other than the matching height. <laughs> exactly. But it's more the, the families and the, and the actual, like, you know, boots on the ground. Like, I watch people do things, and I kind of try to pick up from what they did. Right. Now, uh, let me ask you, when you were listening to the Italian, were there any funny dialects? What, what province are you from? So my family's from Castel de Sangro, which there is a Castel club, I guess, in Bloomfield. There was a... Uh, uh, a club, social club with, oh, with a lot of folks goodness. You know from what? there. That does sound familiar. And, and I, one of my early memories, I was probably about six years old, is my grandfather calling back to Italy. And, and he had an aunt that was still alive. And we're like, how old is this lady, right? But uh, she she was laughing at him because he was using slang that was dated. You know, he, he came over, I think, as a seven-year-old, maybe, um, in like 1928. And... Um, he was using like what would be like groovy now, right? Like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not cool to say. That's not hip to say groovy. Wow, I can dig it. And we just got a kick out of that because it was like everything he was using was like stuff like you think about like phrases kids use now that like sure. you you know just how evolved the language is. If you even understand what it means. But you exactly. know what? It's funny you say that because I had and I think we even talked about this on one of the earlier episodes, where when those people came over, it's like that Italian 
was frozen. And so when people now think of Italian culture, they think of what they knew, what their grandparents taught them. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Italy now, they'd look at you like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just, you know, put like, like baggy pants and do, you know, do the, you know, do the twist or something, you know, like something from the 50s, because there is a disconnect. But it is funny that you said that, that, that she actually recognized the words were so, for lack of a word, you know, dated. Exactly. But um, let me ask you, though, um, so your whole family, that's the area, they're all from the same area? Yeah. Oh, wow, that was pretty easy. I know. Most <laughs> folks got some kind of split. I know Calabria. <laughs> yeah, well, yours are mostly from Calabria. All of them all? Calabria. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the mutt then. I got them from all yeah. over and but, outside. Um, I'll tell you what we are going to do, though, now is um, you've brought it up a couple times, and we're going to bring it up. Let's talk about the book. Sure, yeah. Because um, when I had first met you, and I cannot remember what the context was um, not important for the folks on the air, but we'll figure it out afterwards. Yeah. I just can't remember. But the book came up, um, Rosie's Red Sauce, and I appreciate the copy of it. And I said, this is a great little kid's book. Talk about the book. What was the inspiration for that? Yeah, so I wrote the book in 2020. And as we all know, 2020, the whole world shut down. And, uh, you know, my evenings... I didn't notice. <laughs> my evenings were filled with a lot of free time. And I had this idea for a book in my head for the longest time. And I said, you know, you could do... During COVID, I feel like people either just developed some vice that was really bad or they created some kind of constructive outlet. And this book was my outlet, right? So I I uh, came up with a, a story based loosely around my childhood where I, I described I'd, I'd walk to the to the market with my grandparents and we would get pick so out. So you're food. Rosie. I'm Rosie. It's okay. In this day and age, that's <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, my grandparents made things, you know, cooked homemade food. And, and, and so the book really is centered around a, a girl that goes to the market with her grandfather. They have this ritual and they have fun and they get the special sauce and they make pasta. And one day on her grandfather's father's birthday, she goes up to the store and it's closed. And so she comes back and she's crying and her grandfather, and I'm spoiling the whole story. I'm basically telling you the whole story, but you know what? It's made for five-year-olds. So I was going to say, they're probably my, not listening. My target demo probably doesn't care. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the grandfather says, well, wait a minute. And she looks back and he's got a, a, a garden and he's got tomatoes and onions and they decide to make their own sauce homemade and they make it. And she, they're like, wow, it's better than the stuff at the deli. And the whole moral of the story is, you know, making your food, growing a garden, making your own food and putting time and love into your food. And I think it's a great message for, for young people. And, it, and it, it can apply beyond food, obviously. It can mean, you know, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I, it, it's a catchy little story. And um, I actually had some folks here um, uh, help me with the editing. And, and I had an editor, I'm sorry, an illustrator who is an RMU grad who was in my freshman class. And I, I said, hey, I'm writing this story. Is anybody here an illustrator? And this girl raised her hand, and her name's Amanda. And she's like, yeah, take a look at all my work. And I looked at it, and I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> and so, and so we, we put the book together, and uh, it takes longer than you might expect. You know, it's about a, a year-long process to put it together. And we sell it on Amazon now, and I've actually been able to go read to schools. And I was able to – it's great whenever you get called in to read to your, your kid's uh, school, and you can bring your own book in. And, <laughs> and that's a flex, right? And kids yeah. will be available afterwards for nine ninety nine in the back. <laughs> exactly. And you have a truck, and you've got, you know – rosy sauce there you're selling but um no it's been really fun it's been like kind of a pet project of mine and i'm actually working on a second book that's unrelated to that that i was going to ask you what's the next but 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 i'm gonna stick with rosie's because um some dang fool came up to you and said you know this should be an italian be a nice little learning book for people that are learning italian um i like to plug it 
because I think it's a good it's a good school. But there is a nonprofit here in Pittsburgh, um, La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. They also sponsor us, and they actually teach Italian to children, like little kids. They immerse them. And the funny thing about something you said before is, in some cases, these kids are basically the children of people that are from Italy. But if they go to American schools, they're not going to learn Italian. They're just going to learn what they have at home, and then that's going to be it, which is okay. Um, but typically, you know, it, usually you don't keep your bilingual as well unless you have some kind of formal on top of that. And so what they do is they keep the kids immersed so that if they go back to Italy, you know, they're not, you know, like let's say they're 16 years old. They're not talking like they're five years old because that's the last time they went to school to learn Italian. So I said, you know, you'll put this thing in, in Italian. Um what are your thoughts, you know, as far as, like, do you, do you feel that there is going to be interested in that? I mean, how do you want to push, what's, like, what's your next steps with this book? Because yeah. I looked and I said, there's more to this, I think, than just a kid's book. Yeah, no, I, I think you're the, the genius that had that idea, you. Uh, <laughs> we, Again, I'll be uh, available for autographs after the show. Was right on. And I, I, one of the things, I have a couple things I'm, I'm looking at doing right now, and I'm working with my illustrator on it. One would be just highlighting a couple words on each page that would be, you know, keywords in Italian. Like I have my son who's eight. He, dis- he discovered Duolingo and he loves learning Italian words. What better way for him than a book that he can read in both English but also pick up a few words on each page in Italian. I also like the idea of a full Italian version, which we've worked on and we're going to get out there too, so that, um, you know, you can take it a step further you go beyond one word now you're, it's kind of like the building blocks of that language and reading the whole book in italian and even italian even italian kids that are learning how to read buy these kinds of books yeah so you know you've got american you know kids that are learning italian at a very young age or you know italian students just learning how to read in general um funny thing is when i was starting to learn italian a few years back there are actually are not a lot of books I know this is going to sound crazy. There are a lot of books in Italian, but there are not a lot of books written for people learning Italian. There's a few, and if you go out and you say books in Italian for people studying Italian, you'll you'll find a few, the same ones. So it's amazing that it is it's not a saturated market because people are either going to sell you a textbook, or they're just going to sell you you know um, the, the Divine Comedy by don't you know it's like I don't want that. I want something that I can read it at a beginning level. You know, then an intermediate level, and then later when I can do advanced, then I don't need special books. I can just read regular books. Um, so I, I, I think um, I think a lot of people learning languages, in this case Italian, will appreciate having a at a kid's level because if you can read it, understand it, and theoretically have the conversation, you're not necessarily speaking like someone who can't speak Italian. Yeah, and one of the things that I learned from talking to some teacher friends is that they're looking for multicultural books at schools. And this checks that box when you add the Italian language component to it. On its own, it really doesn't. But whenever you start to talk about, okay, we're going to actually teach them about the culture and teach them some language, now you, you, you're getting a whole new category of purchases that are happening at school districts. So I think that's another benefit. I wrote a book as well in 2020. It came out, I think, October. It was a leadership book. And um, I was fortunate enough to get a publisher the whole nine yards but what you said about it it took a year I didn't think it was going to take so long because it was just stories from my life and experiences but it did take a year why did yours take a year so it's funny I think everybody it's one of those things that everybody I talk to is like I have an idea for a children's book right like everybody because it's simple it's short it's efficient 
Um, but then when you really have to be efficient with your language and you have to pare it down and you've got to make it so that it's bite-sized and, oh, by the way, run it by little kids to see if they like it, right? I had written a version of this that was not as sing-songy and didn't have the right alliteration. And my kids looked at it and they were like, eh, all right, you know, and, and I read it to my nephew and my niece. And But then whenever I had some good advice from a professor here who was like, you know, you want to make this, here are some books, read these books and see what they have in common. And, and I used that inspiration to kind of come back around. And then, you like, you know, I'm sure you parsed over words like, you know, I'm going to go back and rewrite that sentence because yeah. I have another thing. And it's just really perfecting it. And it took a long time to get it to the final form. I got to tell you something that really upset me. Okay. Uh, great publisher, uh, John Melvin Publishing, great, great people. But they had somebody look over the book. Now, I had a story about Tommy Lasorda. I, I knew what I was doing. I knew what the story was about. The person who was editing it put down Tommy Landlord. I said, why and why would you put landlord down? I mean, it was Lasorda, so I never heard of the guy, but I never heard of Tommy Landlord either. <laughs> so I got all these books, and I was doing a speech, and I was going to sell them in the back room, and this one guy was flipping through them on page 102. He says, Coach, what is this Tommy Landlord? So I, I chuckled. I didn't know what he was talking about. I looked. Man, oh, man, was I, I turned red. I was so mad, and I shipped them back. And Then I had to go to Barnes & Noble yeah. and – Take them back and all that. What a process oh, that was. But I have a great publisher. Suspense. Who's I Tommy have, Landlord? I, I have no <laughs> idea. But I have a great publisher, and they're, and they're great. But it was just a mistake. You know, you yeah. figure all those. It's a lot words, of words. It is a lot of work. Yeah. It's not, everybody always wants to, everybody says, oh, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. Well, go ahead. Yeah. And they don't do it. So I give you credit that you did it. And I think part of it is just being willing to uh, put yourself out there. Like, I mean, you're going to get criticism. Someone's oh, not sure. going to like your book. You know, like someone's going to be like, eh, I read it, whatever. And, and, and being vulnerable. And like, this is like a really childish book because it's geared towards children. <laughs> but like, I, I, I just had fun with it. And my biggest reward has been reading it with my kids and their yeah. friends. And like, I read it to the entire kindergarten of Peter's Township, which my kids go to. And then I go to the park the next day and all these kids are like, hey, you're the author. You know, and like, that's fun. Like, just that part of it. Right? Were you giving so, autographs? Yeah, you know, <laughs> signing coffees. No. Is it at stores yet or anything? Where else can people so, get it? Right now, I'm, it's, it's on Amazon. You can get okay. it on Amazon.com. And if you search Rosie's Red Sauce or you search my name, it's easy to find. Opriel Publishing uh, is my publisher, and they're selling it on their website too. So I should mention them. Um, yeah, good. But uh, yeah, I haven't gotten it out to uh, any of the big box stores yet. So you should. Yeah, they, they'll they'll do it. I mean, yeah. so they they have a section at uh, the Barnes Noble in Robinson. I'm sure they are, uh, all the places. Mm-hmm. Mine just is, is in Robinson, but there's a local authors. Okay. And what a thrill it was for me to see my book. Yeah with next to Clementi's book or some Steeler books and stuff like that. He's like, wow, you know, brings you back to being a little kid again. But you should definitely do it. I, I, I guarantee you they'll, they'll get some books from you. Yeah, I, I need to get on the, the – it was funny because from, from a standpoint of just like finishing the book, I was happy and I felt like, all right, my work is done. But oh, there's a lot a more lot work on this. And end. what I if did – If you want to sell it. Yeah, exactly. What, what I did was I went on um, websites and I looked for podcasts that were in the leadership world yours would be in the in the children's development or things like that world Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of podcasts and then just send them a note and then ask if you can be a guest and many of them will say yes and that's that's what i did it's it's a lot of work you're going to get a few no's you know but um it's their loss exactly but but, uh and 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 you'll you'll sell it it'll it'll work just you know there's an old thing i learned in college on a sugar packet 
I've said this on the show numerous times. He who has a thing to sell and goes whispers in a well is not apt to get the dollars as he who climbs a tree and hollers. So promote. Yeah. Get it out there. Yeah. I think I need to just get out there, like you said. And, and even, like, I was thinking about going to, like, town grocery stores and just different places yeah. that yeah. it might make sense. as like, a, here, I'm checking out. I'll grab this book. It looks cool, you know. Yeah, I can't so, hurt. Like, you know what? It can't hurt. And, you, you know, you, you kind of nailed it. If you, it's like if you, unless you have something that is, like, everybody wants it. You know, if you don't promote yourself hard, and that's a lot of work, you know, yeah. to get to that point where, you know, it's different. Like Stephen King, the first time you put a book out, I'm sure everyone's like, oh, Stephen King. They're like, who's Stephen King? It took a while before it became where, oh, since it's Stephen King, now I'm going to read it. I don't have to promote it anymore. So, you know, when you're young and you're starting off, you have to be prepared. You've got to be your toughest boss, and you've got to push yourself. you got another book you're working on, though. What's this one? I, so this is a Pittsburgh book, and this book's about Pittsburgh slang. Oh, and it's a family that moves to Pittsburgh, and these kids are hearing Pittsburgh slang, and they're asking their parents what it is. And it's basically just explaining what the different – like the, what yins means, what gum band means. And that. And that. And, and I, I think it's, it's a fun book. It's called – it's going to be called We Are Yinzers. And, uh, <laughs> and I, it's, I think it has a marketability, at least in this area. So um, I could see people, you know what I could see? I could see people buying that if they were at the airport looking for a last minute souvenir. Exactly. I'm going to hook him up with Don Spagnolo. Uh, there was an event oh. he had which went through the roof, and I was lucky enough to be invited to it. It was called uh, YinzerCon. Mm. It was at Bethel Park. They had some different celebrities and different authors and athletes. They had uh, some former Steelers. Uh, the Shop and Save Lady, and uh, who else? They had a, Mary Hours from Channel 2. They had she was Claudio the there. Pop. They had Claudio there. <laughs> and and I, I sold my book there and met a lot of nice people. Nice. I'll hook you up with him. I appreciate and, uh, that. That'll be good. You heard it, folks, right here on the air, live. Claudio has just promised. Oh, no, I'll do it for sure. <laughs> no, I will kidding. do it for sure. Claudio I will. Appreciate He's a good, good man. Yeah. Um, all right, okay, before we kick You never out. know when CMU will let me go, and you might right. need another job. <laughs> Listen, I know that feeling. No, I never try to burn. Hopefully, food. they won't let me go. The most tenured club baseball coach in the country is. Not I, I think so. <laughs> uh, going on nineteen years. Nineteen years. Yeah. Um, let's talk about. Uh, you know, you, you seem to be doing well in life. You're, you know, young, but you're still. You know, you're off to a good start in life. Um, what's some advice you would give people out there? I mean, you got young kids. What do you, What kind of things do you tell them to be where you're at and kind of working up? Yeah, I, I think everything is a grind. I'm a big person that's involved with habits, right? Like every little habit adds up over time. Um, you know, thinking about, I started here in 2014, uh, I'm sorry, 2009, I'm losing track of time, 2009, as an intramural coordinator, and I was in like almost the size of a closet office. And, and then little by little, I chipped away and I added things to our program and now I'm running this big building and I've got a nice office with a view and all that kind of fun I've stuff. I've seen it. <laughs> it does have a nice view. And a lot of it just comes down to just working hard and grinding and being willing to get your hands dirty. And if your folks working for you don't see you doing the same stuff you're asking them to do, then they're never going to do it. That's and I, right. The, people think the boss should, doesn't have to work. He just tells you what to do. Yeah, their boss is like that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of bosses like that. But it's kind of like I, I was in the military. It was the same thing. I can't ask you to do something I wouldn't do myself. Right. And if people believe that, they'll do it for you. If they don't believe you, they won't do it for you. Yeah, it's the, and it's the Spider-Man thing with great power becomes great responsibility, right? So you, you have to, you know, really take care of the people that work for you. And, that's right. And that's been a big part of what I do. What's next for Robert Morris Club Sports and Mural Sports? 
So we're in a, a period of hiring some people this summer, actually, which is exciting. We're hiring a new club sport uh, recruitment and mar- multimedia director, and that person's going to be in charge of streaming all of our games. So we're one of the few club programs that I think has a dedicated streaming uh, Twitch channel for all of our games. So we, we, we do like one or two games every weekend. Our players love it. Their parents, a lot of them from out of town, are getting to watch their games, and, and, and they love it. And this person is going to run all that. Um, we won an award from NERSA, which is the National Intramural and Recreational Sports Association, for that program last year. So we're trying to build on that. And we had, I think it was like 25,000 unique viewers last year for our club sport games. And you think about that, like if you, you, you've been at a lot of club baseball games, you know, you might get, what, 50 people at a game or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're getting a couple hundred people because of that technology watching these games on a regular basis. And that adds up over time. And now we're starting to get sponsors that are interested in giving us small little sponsorship. We got a sponsorship from PNC Bank. We got one from uh, a cybersecurity firm here in Moon Township. So with those resources, we'll keep just investing in the program and making it better and better. Good, good. Oh, Armand, appreciate the time. Uh, again, appreciate you coming on, taking time out of here. I know it's a busy schedule, um, but I do know you have a nice office. So, uh, you know, and you had to walk over here. So we do appreciate that. Um, you know, anyone get any shout outs? Do you want to thank anybody while you're here before we kick you the heck out of here? I want to thank Joe Hale. He's Everybody's got it. There it is. <laughs> we're waiting for it. We usually do that, but we're kind of, there you go. He's here. It's Giuseppe, by the way. He's Giuseppe. an honorary Italian. Yeah, he's here just making magic with that, with that machine over there. And uh, no, I appreciate both of you guys. This is really fun just to catch up and, and talk about the book. And, and we're going to keep, keep moving forward on that and getting the Italian version out soon. And uh, Speriamo. We hope so. <laughs> make sure everybody knows about it. All right. Appreciate your time, Claudio. Armin, appreciate you, and I'm sure I'm definitely going to connect you with Don Spagnola, and we'll be in touch. I'll send you an email, and we'll get that working for you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. All right. We're going to take a little break here and uh, pay for the episode, but uh, come right back, and we're going to have Rocky Romano from West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-331. 2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. Okay, we'll be right back with our very special guest, but don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that on my website at ClaudioRelsano.com, Barnes & Noble, uh, and Robinson, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and JohnMelvinPublishing.com. Our boxing show, Boxing's Best TV Show, The Boxing Authorities with Luther Dupree Jr., Smoking Jim Frazier, and myself. You can check us out on WBC.VIVE TV Network. 
and on Channelbox. And don't forget about my show, The Claudio Relsano Show, where I've had such great guests as Jerry Cooney, Mario Andretti, Ken Griffey Sr., Vince Papali, Rocky Blyer, Roman Gabriel, Vince Ferragamo. You can check that out at ClaudioRelsano.com. And my other podcast, basketball podcast, Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association. You can check that out at PABCA-org. And our new show, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. You can check that out at crsmmedia.com. We started a new company, Empire Media Ventures, which you can also get information on that website. If you're looking to host a podcast, please get in touch with us. And if you miss Italian Impact on WKHB Radio, you can always check us out on www.italianimpactweekly.com. All right, welcome back. And we are now joined by uh, Rocky Romano. He is on the board of directors for the West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival. Rocky, welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate taking time out of your schedule. Uh, Let's kind of get started. First of all, you know, we really don't know you well, but, uh, you know, obviously you're living out of the West Virginia area, good Italian background. Um, Where'd you grow up at? I grew up in North Central West Virginia in uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia. So I still have a very large Italian family on both sides in that area. Okay. Um, Do you recall uh, what area of uh, Italy your family originally came from? So my family and most of the folks uh, that are associated with the West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival are actually all from San Giovanni Fiore or different parts of uh, Calabria. Uh That's where my family's from. I've said numerous times, Rocky, my dad was from Falerna. My mom was from Nogera de Inez. First of all, have you ever been there? I have. I have. I went uh, when I was 15 on a church trip, and then I will be going back in uh, just a few days after the Italian festival to celebrate my 40th. So I'm nice, very excited. Nice. Fantastic. Now, did you start this organization in 79 or did you just take it over and ran with it and improved it? So it's been going on since 79. So I have been there for 40 years, but not all of them. We're in our 44th uh, year right now. And uh, I was one of the younger board members I actually started when I was in high school. So I've been involved pretty heavily since I was, uh, probably 18 or 19 years old. So long, I can't remember. <laughs> now, uh, what was the, uh, do you recall way back in the day, what was the impetus for getting this started? Because I think one thing I will mention is that a lot of folks don't know that Italians did settle in other places besides New York, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. So I'm going to make a leap of faith. A lot of Italians sell, you know, settled in West Virginia. So what was the impetus for the uh, for starting the festival? I think just to celebrate, you know, the Italian-American heritage and what they had to go through. Um, just like any other area, a lot of folks came to settle in north central West Virginia. There was a huge manufacturing, a lot of big glass plants. So my Italian ancestors and everyone for that matter could work in the glass factories. And they also had some opportunities to go, you know, a few hours away on the weekends and work in the coal mines. So there was just steady work, and they continued to tell folks, you know, that West Virginia was a good opportunity outside of some of the bigger metropolitan areas. Before we talk about all the events, and I'm really impressed at all the events that uh, you guys have, how has the organization grown over the years, and why has it grown? So I think it started, we had some really good uh, gentlemen who were pillars of the community who, you know, basically dedicated their time and their money to put this together. And it grew from just a small gathering to a large event that attracts 
typically over a hundred thousand uh, folks over that three-day weekend you know wow. the generations grew and grew and grew um, we've turned into a very large event in West Virginia and we've actually been ranked um, by the bus association as one of the top 100 festivals in the entire country wow well, you know the irony is and don't don't take this the wrong way but I I sort of found out of it almost by a fluke uh, it was an email that you guys sent out through another organization and um, you know that's that's obviously one of the challenges is, you know, it's kind of like Claudia and I have talked about, we keep saying this over and over again, is to give a lot of folks like yourselves, you know, some kind of platform, you know, to advertise these kind of events, you know, these, you know, 100,000 people. And by the way, Claudia, we both looked at the um, schedule, and we're going to talk about that here in a second, but there's a lot going on in that weekend. Um, and to your point, it's been going on for 40-something years, and it morphed from, you know, something local to, you know, 100,000 people are showing up now. With that change, and you've been a part of it for obviously a very long, you know, or, or a large portion of the, the, the festival, um, what kind of challenges are you facing now then with so many people showing up over such a, uh, you know, with all these events going on during the, the actual festival itself? I think the biggest thing that we've run into is like any business or nonprofit, one that you had hit on before is, you know, just advertising is hard. Um, you know, every business is kind of struggling. So, you know, continuing to work to get sponsors throughout West Virginia and surrounding areas, you know, such as Pittsburgh, so we can continue to bring in this, you know, high level of uh, entertainment that we get. You know, we're paying for the police force, et cetera. So there's a lot of expenses um, to put on a festival this big. And, you know, typically we're working around a half a million dollar a year budget. And everyone uh, that is working uh, outside from one secretary currently is a volunteer. So uh, we couldn't do it without the help of everybody that supports us. Talk about some of the events. As Steve said, and I've mentioned, you guys have a lot of events. It's not just a one-day thing, or but it's not just the same old, same old. You have many different events. Uh, talk about some of those, please. Yeah, so we have a lot of things throughout the year, some small fundraisers. Uh, it really starts out the major events in April uh, with a large gala that we have, and that's where we'll announce the queen. Uh, so the queen every year is Regina Maria, honoring the first queen of Italy, and then her court. And then from there, we have a lot of the larger events uh, the week leading up to the festival. So we start out with an author's forum. That was something uh, that was very small and has grown throughout the years. We've had um, you know, such well-known people as uh, the children's author, uh, Tommy DiPaolo, has participated with us as well. And then we lead into a large uh, golf classic and an elimination dinner fundraiser. And then the following day is an honorees award ceremony. So We've had a lot of really big name folks over the over the uh, years of the festival. Uh, a big name, the first Italian man of the year that we had that actually came to Clarksburg, who was very good friends with um, some families in the area, was actually Joe DiMaggio. So, um, some pretty prominent folks uh, have participated with us over the 44 years. Do you honor just West Virginians, or or you go nationwide? How do you do that? That's kind of morphed throughout the year. So typically what we'll do is uh, the Queen, for example, you know, because the festival is in Harrison County, West Virginia, we'll rotate that. So we want to make sure that we go throughout West Virginia. We have had folks outside of West Virginia for the Italian-American um, men and women. And then we also honor a honorary Italian-American man and woman of the year every year. All right. Now, uh, for the folks that are listening, again, um, and I say this in kind of a, a pleasantly surprised way. Um, this is a nice event. It's coming up soon. Um, 
What are the dates and where can folks go find more information about the event? So the best way to do it is to check out our website, and that's just www.wvihf.com. So that's West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival. And there's a full list of events. Uh, we have some great lineup of uh, entertainment Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So the festival actually kicks off at 1145 with the coronation of the Queen on Friday of Labor Day weekend and goes until 6 p.m. on Sunday with our headliners. And then there's a local band. I don't know if you guys have ever got to catch before an Italian rock band, Amici. And uh, one of the founders of that band is a longtime uh, board member of the festival as well. Now, what are, you said some of the, uh, the big events. What are some of the big events that are going to be uh... – kind of your capstone stuff that's going to be happening during this so the bigger events that we have like i said are those events leading up the golf classic elimination dinner honorees award ceremony and even a week the weekend before we have a large pasta cook-off which attracts a few thousand people come in for that as well and then every single night is the headline entertainment we've had some folks uh i'm a huge country fan we've had jody messina in the past uh, there's a Billy Joel tribute band called The Stranger um, that's going to be performing, uh, a large uh, heart tribute band named Barracuda, and then we'll be finalizing um, the weekend off with uh, Papa Do Run Run, which is a nationally touring uh, Beach Boys tribute band, and we're going to do a, a toast to the Amalfi Coast. Wow, fantastic. Um, yeah, I think Cloudy and I were just uh, talking. I think you might see us down there. And uh, what we're going to do for the folks that are listening is we're going to actually put your website, um, how to get more information about this, on our website. Um, we definitely want to promote this. Um, again, this is the whole point of why we do this show is to kind of, I don't want to say stumble into things like this, but to find things and to encourage people you know, to reach out to us. And so we can kind of celebrate the community along with you. And I think Claudia and I have decided, I think we're going to try and get down there. Really quickly, though, um, you're down in West Virginia. Uh, do you recall the story, the, the famous mining accident? Uh, in Manong, was it about a hundred, probably a hundred years ago? That was a pretty famous mine. It involved a lot of uh, Italians who were basically killed in a mine. Do, do you guys recall that story? Yes, yes. So actually, you know, we've had we've done, we've had some people speak on it before. Uh, we have honored our uh, Senator Joe Manchin, and he actually had uh, relatives that had passed away in that disaster as well. Yeah, I was curious how far from that area you guys were. If that was something that you guys. You know. They're pretty close, so we're just right down the road from you all in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, about an hour and 45 minutes yep. on 79. And then most of the folks that participate with the festival uh, and the original founders were in the Clarksburg, Fairmont, Morgantown area. So uh, definitely, you know, a lot of people associated with the festival were affected by that disaster and a lot of Italian-Americans, to your point. Rocky, I've been with the Italian uh, Sports Hall of Fame here in Pittsburgh. As a matter of fact, I was voted, luckily enough, to get voted president this year. One of the things that we want is to educate younger people about our Italian heritage so they can pass on, so we can keep this thing going for the lack of a better way to put it. What are your goals whenever you are dealing with people, be it at the festival or, you know, different events that you have uh, do you have those type of goals yeah i mean especially as we're approaching the 50th you know a lot of the older generation you know is starting to die off we have people who have been with the festival since its inception so i kind of look at myself as being that in between generation and uh doing my part to kind of bring in younger folks so that the festival continue on for future generations and not only that that we keep the uh, ideals of it with the um, cultural aspect 
you know, at the forefront moving forward. So all of those ties are not lost. Good. Good. So a lot of, uh, a lot of educational opportunities for the little kids when they're down there to kind of teach them things. I mean, besides the standard game stuff, I mean, how you guys promote this for that next generation, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything from, you know, we being a 501c3, we do offer scholarships. Uh, there's cooking classes. We have done educational classes before. We do have a strong uh, connection with a lot of the folks in San Giovanni and Fiore. We've partnered with some of the universities, such as Fairmont State, where we've uh, worked with them for an exchange program to bring folks over from that area to study for almost a year as well. So there's a lot of things, you know, on a small level to a large level, um, and then trying to work with some of the bigger national organizations, such as NIAF, as well as um, some smaller organizations. So you guys, that's interesting because uh, you guys are more than just a festival. I mean, you really are a, it's, it's, you're more of a heritage, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say a federation, but it sounds like you're more just of a, of a heritage community beyond just a festival where that seems to be the kind of the keynote event of what you do, but you're doing a lot of other things and getting involved in the community. What kind of advice do you have? Because you guys seem to be growing pretty good. What kind of advice do you have for folks in other areas that are trying to do things to kind of keep these communities alive? You know, as the older generations kind of die off and you know the younger ones are you know the farther it goes the more disconnected they get from their roots and they sort of lose that um you know that zeal or that passion for their you know for their culture i mean what what kind of advice do you have for other organizations or folks to say there's some things you can do to try and kind of keep that cultural passion alive i just think it's important you know what we try and do is involve all the different generations you know get ideas on what would attract you know everyone from the little kids to, you know, the 90-year-olds and, you know, what what do they want to see? And we try and uh, solicit feedback. We do invite folks to some of the board mem- uh, board meetings that we have throughout the years just to get additional, you know, answer com- comments, questions, concerns that folks would have. And just more importantly, make it fun. No, absolutely, especially when you're dealing with the younger folks. All right, Rocky, before we let you go, and again, first, I do want to thank you again for your time. But before we let you go, what are the key dates coming up? And uh, one more time, where can folks go to find information? So they can go to uh, www.wvihf.com. So the first major event that we have coming up is actually a bocce tournament on August 19th. And the fun really doesn't stop until the actual festival. It's Friday, September 1st through Sunday, September 3rd. And we'd love to see everyone in downtown Clarksburg, West Virginia. Awesome. Rocky, again, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at, uh, at one of these events. We're going to make our way down there and uh, try and find you in the crowd. But if not, we're going to get down there and support. And we are hoping the folks that are listening go out to, again, that's www.wvihf.com. as in West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival. Go out, check out the website. A lot of events coming down, a lot of things that they do. Appreciate what you guys do. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Rocky. We appreciate you. Hopefully we run into you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I appreciate uh, him doing that. That uh, I do look forward to being down there. Uh, I didn't realize how big it was. I saw it online. I got the mail. I was like, whoa. And he said 100,000 people. I was kind of like, whoa. And again, big appreciate uh, shout out that Armin was on here. Again, it was funny that we had his uh, cousin happen to be the guest a couple of, well, geez, man, that's about six months ago now. That's crazy that we started I'm this telling in February. You, I mean... I was sick as a dog, if you remember. I do remember. I, I could barely talk. Well, it took you months to get rid of that, that cough. Because I I, we would do the show, and it's like, there's a cough. 
in the background. I'm like, come on, well, man. Well, it's the last thing to go. <laughs> well, no, but I appreciate Armin again. Thank you very much. And uh, Rocky, appreciate you very much. And we are looking forward I to be like down at that festival. Again, <laughs> when you hear the word Bozzelli, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's either Bob or Armin. All right, but, man, let's talk. What's going on now? Well, our other show, uh, Talking Business and Life with uh, Claudio Rosano and Steve Mancini. Uh, our guests this week, we're taping a couple shows Friday. Danny Hickton, he is an attorney. We're going to be interviewing him at Snappy's uh, Bar in uh, Coriopolis. So we're really looking forward to that. I met him once. Very charismatic young man. He's an attorney. You will definitely enjoy his story. Nice young man, too. And then um, Joe Kuklis, who is the owner of Draft Nation, if you've heard that before, it's Draft 412 here in Pittsburgh. They were huge in the NFL draft, hockey draft, baseball draft. I'm going to be doing a lot of work with them. As a matter of fact, this Wednesday, I'm taping about 100 videos, 100 episodes of uh, of a baseball thing, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to be looking at a player through a professional baseball scout's eyes and fixing him as a coach from a coach's perspective. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. So wait, you you got to record him, or you got to? How does uh, that he's work? He's recording me. The, I mean, he has a staff. He's recording me with a player, watching a player, evaluating a player. Oh, so this is like a promotional thing. No, it's uh, it's going to be on the website. Um, it's going to oh, be that's a, crazy. it's going to be out there. Yeah, and it's going to be really not just. That's why they changed it to Draft Nation. It's going to be all over the country. You know, the funny thing is, ever since I've met you, now I cannot watch a baseball game. And now I'm like looking at this swing. I wonder if Claudio's thinking. I wonder if Claudio would say. Uh, he's not thinking too much. I tell you that. I'm not really. I, I, had, I went to a game a couple of days ago, and as I told you guys, we were inches away from the Reds dugout front row, and I'm looking at these swings, unbelievable. But um, yeah, Joe's a good guy. He'll be on the show, and Draft Nation is really, really climbing. It's uh, getting big, and hopefully, I can be a part of that. You know, um, we started the talking business in life not not long ago, and you know we're getting a little bit of a decent following on that. One thing I will say, and again, I'm not tooting my own horn. You know, I don't I don't think you know you're really tooting your own horn, but like we have some good. Like, I just pat myself good... on the back, and my back's killing me. That's right. <laughs> Go ahead. But I mean, no, I think we got some good guests and some good conversations on these shows. You know what? I think I, people I'm going to interrupt you. It. No, go ahead. I, I'm going to be upset here, and I don't. I'm not going to get into too much detail. If you listen to a sports show, you want to hear sports. They're talking about diaper changes and cleaning the garage, and and they're first of all, they're not funny. They're trying to be funny. Maybe they're trying to be conversational. And I, I shut it off. Or I listen to podcasts, a lot of podcasts for financial advice, real estate. And they all they do is swear and try to that's not what I'm or, listening. Or it's a lot of just buy my product. I have yes. the answer, buy my product. And I'm which is, fine with buying a product. But I don't I mean, want to keep watching your podcast. No. At some point, give me the answer. Me like the answer. I've listened to enough of your yeah. podcast now. Now give yeah, me the exactly. answer. But with this show, we really sink into it. We, we've, we're very personal about it um, we might not mention names because that's not important or titles who cares but we tell stories we again my mom used to say never speak from the neck up speak from the heart up everything that we've talked about or experiences good bad and ugly hurtful painful but you the listener have gone through those things too okay and we're just telling you how we navigated our way from point a to point b we don't joke about stupid stuff or talk about, you know, what do they call that when your wife makes you do so? Honey-do list, none oh. of that garbage. You know, we just, we're not trying to be funny. We give you life experiences, and we really do want to have impact 
Uh, don't worry, Cloud. Watch. Nobody's laughing when you talk, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm they kidding. do. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, you said we're not fun. No, I get it. Um, no, but I think there's a lot of good information. It's we're, we're passionate. We care about what we're doing. You know, we're trying to give you good advice. But you said something people may have gone through it. I think the truth is a lot of people have gone through it. Just a lot of people who haven't gone through it. And and I think, like, I always look at it just like with my kids. I'm trying to help you avoid oh, a yeah. pothole. Yep. Listen to me. <laughs> I've done this. I screwed up. Don't go that direction. There's a pothole there. And some people are going to go, you know what? I'm going to listen to that person. I'm not going to go that direction. Some I, people will be like, I don't care. I'm going to go that thing. They hit the pothole and they can't figure it out. And be, we're trying to like save you the trouble. Exactly. We're trying. We're not. We've 20, been there. Right. We're, we're not 20 something year olds. We're, well, let's just say we're on the other side of the halfway needle. Yeah. And so, you know, there is a lot of life, ex, you know, experience. I'm not perfect. But I think that's where my strength comes from is not being perfect, knowing I'm not perfect and saying, this is what I would do. It's not even being perfect, not perfect. Like I said numerous times, my parents, number one, had so much impact in my life. If I dropped a pencil, there was a saying behind it, right? Some people even said, Claudio, you ought to write a book about all the Italian sayings your parents uh, taught you. But the other thing is how many people I've studied that I don't know, now they call them virtual mentors. Um, I listen to them. I'm reading a book right now from an NFL linebacker. His name's uh, Devon Kennard. Um, very good book. It's a financial book, and but we we have made mistakes in business and life, and we share them. We've also dealt with people who weren't that great. I, I'm very open about it. It's it's the truth, and um, you know, and I know somebody out there. We've has been through those things. Or like you said, maybe they haven't. We don't want them to. Uh, we, we share life experiences. Not that you and I ever did anything. Right. To, we say mistakes. We didn't, you know, we didn't do anything bad. Right. You know, we may, may have done something. Maybe uh, a choice could have been better at this. Eh. You, cho- you chose road I, A. I, I trusted road. the wrong people. That no. was stupid. Um, I didn't listen to my oh, yeah. mom. Or I told you I got involved in an MMA business that I got beat up more than the fighters did. <laughs> um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, but um, I, I'm, I wanted to do this show for a long time. I was doing a show like this. A few things didn't go the way they should have on the other end, not my end. Um, but uh, Steve and I uh, connected, thankfully, and I think, it's, I think it's going well. And we have a lot of great topics to touch on. I know we talked about funnels of income. Um, we talked about disappointment. We talked about uh, numerous different shows. Who hasn't been disappointed? Right. Who doesn't want to make more money? Well, it was funny because we interviewed Armin. He, he made a comment about, you know, um, well, I know it was before the show, we talked about how people, you know, this whole return to work, people don't want to return to work. And people, mm-hmm. I mean, people, it's like, uh, they're, they're, I don't want to say their energy is sapped, but for whatever reason, people just don't try anymore. You said the word energy. And, and again, we're just being very honest. I know a few people who did the Netflix pajama thing during COVID. Yeah. I wrote a book. I pushed at it I got even a doctor. Harder. Yeah, there you literally, go. Literally, I there got my doctorate go. during COVID. Alex Rodriguez said, when this is over, the, you'll see who the people who were on the other side of the lake, those are the people who did the work. The people who didn't are in the middle of the lake. Okay. It was a time for us to, to really reevaluate things, go after it even harder, because eventually it, it is over. And we got to jump start on things. I mean, I, no excuses. Just keep going. No, keep that's going, exactly right. Keep you, keep, you know, again, it doesn't, you don't keep have to cons- right. you don't have to, uh, You don't have to consume your life 24-7 with work. But at the same time, you know, you're, you have a God-given, you know, talents, and you should use them to your fullest. Otherwise, I, I am telling you this, when you're 80, 90 years old, and you're sitting on your deathbed, and you're going to do the woulda, coulda, shoulda, it's too late. It you, just drives me right. nuts, and it's this is probably another episode. And who am I? I'm just saying, for me personally, I'm always, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to keep 
accomplishing things. Not people, retire in the traditional sense. Right. Well, right. Like, I don't want to ever have to work 40 hours a yeah, week, right, but I right, want right, to right, keep busy. Right. But, but for me, like I said, I just want to keep accomplishing things. And I, I told my wife a couple of days ago, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I think sometimes people are more impressed with me than I'm impressed with myself. I, I just want, I think I can do more. Right. So keep trying. Yeah. All right. Listen, folks, we want to thank you very much again for your time. And thank you, Joe Hale. Thank you, Joe Hale. And please uh, check out our new show, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Rilsono and Steve Mancini. Claudio, as always, I love it when you have the last word. All right. As always, thank you, Mom and Pop, Linda and Ida. Appreciate it. And we appreciate your listeners. Thank you. <laughs>